Thank you so much, everyone, for coming tonight. And um, those of you who can, could you move up? I'm vegetarian. Please. The, close, the closer you can come strategically. Yeah, thank you very much. Proof positive. Right here. Wheatgrass. Hare Krishna. Om Jnana Timurandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Viditam Dina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasari Gaura Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Gaur Premanande Hare Hare Bo. So um, in the Bhagavad Gita, did you uh, happen to write those verses down? Do you have them? That's a big deal. He's in charge of our Shastric records here in Adam. And uh, I even have a pair of glasses. Thank you. So <coughs> the word question starts with the word quest. And if you look up quest in the etymological dictionary, you'll find that the connotation is a search for the Holy Grail, a quest. And when you have question, it becomes a noun. And interestingly, the first instruction given in the summary of all of the Upanishads, which is called the Vedanta Sutra. And the Upanishads are the section of the wide body of knowledge known as Veda or the Vedas that contain the elements meant to show us how to live in this life so that we're progressive and in sync with morality and also finally to come to the point of perfection spiritually. And the first aphorism, there are sutras or, or short statements that are actually written to hold a, uh, hold a specific spiritual point to be expanded upon by those who uh, are teaching it. And the first point made in uh, Veda Vyasas, he's the one who edited the Vedas and put them into various parts and then brought the Vedanta Sutra out so it could be passed down more easily. In summary, says, Atato Brahma Jignasa. And that is that now that you've come to the human form of life, and there's more implication about atato means 
since you've also tried everything else, and the implication is there are 8,400,000 species of life, that should give you a little taste of the variety available in the material world, don't you think? If you go to a theme park, like in America, we have Disneyland and Six Flags. Do you have any theme parks here? I know there's a Durga one down the street. But besides those, the ones with rides and stuff, where they have varieties of amusements available. They call them amusement parks, so people can amuse themselves in various ways. If you go to one that has 8,400,000 rides, and you ride them all, you can't come to the end of it and say, you know, I didn't have an opportunity to try to enjoy myself, I hope. The, the Vedanta Sutra says, Atato Brahmajignasa. Now that you've tried everything else, you've been given an opportunity to get off the rides. And <clears throat> what is that? Brahmajignasa. What should you do? Ask about Brahman. Ask about God. Where, what's the origin of everything? Or perhaps, what's the origin of, of all my suffering? How do I get out of it? Don't remain dull and ask banal questions that relate only to the same kinds of basic needs that the animals seek. Ask about how to get free from birth, death, old age, and disease. That's the thrust of this statement, and it's the first statement, ask a question. So if you look at a question mark, you'll notice that it can be envisioned as a tool of sorts. For instance, doesn't it kind of look like a hook? Just say yes. Yeah, so you could use it to, like with a bale of hay, you could pull it towards you and so forth. Questions hook on to ideas, uh, even in other people's minds, and pull them out. And a question mark could also be sketched out as a tennis racket. It's a, is an instrument through which if, if you get a, a, a statement or a question that you don't understand, you can put it back in the other person's court, so to speak, so that it can be reframed. They can ask it again in such a way you can understand. There are many ways in which you can envision a question mark as a particular kind of tool, but I'll make a bold statement after long consideration looking at the various punctuation marks, that the question mark is the most powerful punctuation mark in any language. When we ask a question, then we can not just find out answers to practical questions, but through questioning, as Atata Brahma Jignasa indicates, we can open up the sky and see what's on the other side. We can find what the purpose of life is, what's deep inside ourselves with the question mark. We can uh, look in and find the, the ultimate goal of life. In this way, the Vedas say something like questions are the answer to your problem. And when you ask a valuable question, and questions are not so easy, you might notice in a large assembly when someone says, do you have any questions? And then people sit there for a little while. I've felt in our hearing and chanting sessions 
anywhere in the world, but especially when they're very concentrated and their people are very serious about hearing and chanting coming over long periods of time, that we're most successful when we generate more questions than answers. When you come away from a hearing and chanting session, even the, either one that you did by yourself or that you did in a group with others, when you come away with really strong questions, you're in a, a really good state because it's as if you're hungry and you're looking for the answers. And you'll be able in that state to perceive when somebody is at a level, speaking at a level that is going to satisfy your questions. And that's what we need to do. In fact, there's a way in which the entire canon of Vaishnav literatures that we study from is a series of questions and answers. We find Parikshit Maharaj asking Shukadev Goswami, what am I supposed to do now? I have seven days. What's, what's the goal now? We have Bhagavad Gita with Arjuna asking the question, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> what's my duty in the midst of this battle? I'm confused. Please tell me. And uh, you can search uh, any time that there's a relationship that's valuable in the spiritual context. You'll find somebody asking a good question and then the answer coming from somebody who's qualified. And that's what makes it revealed scriptures because somebody asked and the question opens. In fact, this is what Krishna says is the solution to the problems of life and the ways to get knowledge through which one can progress. And that is tadvidi pranipatina pariprashnena sevaya uparakshanti te jnanam jnaninas tatvadarshina. Find somebody who's taken the trouble to dive deep into knowledge and who's swimming in it. In fact, the admin, the, the description of somebody who's qualified is given in Srimad Bhagavatam at the the end of a long list of the miseries of the material world, and then one of the Yogendras says, Tas, Tasmad means therefore. Therefore, <coughs> because there's so many problems in the material world that are impossible to solve from a material mindset, Tasmat, therefore, Guru Prapadyeta, find somebody whose guru means heavy with knowledge because they've asked a lot of questions. Jignasu Shreya Uttamam, and you should ask a question to that person. Jignasu Shreya Uttamam, but what kind of question? About your ultimate good. Shabde Paritanishnatam, what is the qualification of that person? Shabde, that person has heard. And how much has he or, her, he or she heard? A lot. Shabde Parishanishnatam Brahman Yupashramashrayam. The way Prabhupada puts it is such a person has taken a dip in the ocean of transcendental knowledge. Brahman Yupashramashrayam. Their, their only real concern in life, life is Brahman, spiritual qualification, spiritual pursuit. Yupashramashrayam. So, such a person is qualified, and Krishna says in the Gita, Tadvidi pranipatina 
how should you go about getting that knowledge from such a person? Go in humility. Don't go with these four words. I already know that. This is a sentence that cancels out your uh, possibility to learn from anybody. Did you know that? It's an algorithm. I already know that. In fact, when people are speaking, my mind's going, I already know that. I already know that. I already know that. And when you stop talking, I'm going to tell you something that I did, not what you know, or I'll tell you what I know. So <clears throat> pranipat means don't do that. Go with the mood that I'm <clears throat> open to learn. And then pariprashnina, it says, ask good questions. And sevaya, render service. Why? Because when you render service to the questioner, like it was a standard, it's actually cliche in America, when you go to school, you're supposed to bring the teacher an apple. Did they have that in India? In France? Anywhere else? Any Americans in here can back me up? Thank you very much, Brent. When you go, when you go to school, it's cliche in any comic book or you know, on a TV show like Leave it to Beaver. Nobody knows what that is, I hope. Yeah, old enough. Uh, it, it, the kid would bring a, an apple to the teacher. Say, here, you know Leave it to Beaver? Okay. It was a great show, a lot of good lessons. <laughs> so you should serve the teacher because when you bring something in love or gratitude, which is good enough, then the person's heart opens to you. Have you ever had that happen? Someone gives you something out of love? And you just think, and, and even if it's just a leaf or a box of wheatgrass, which really touched my heart. A very dear devotee brought me a, a box of wheatgrass as a, you know, here, take this. And, uh, and I was touched. And so there's, you know, when, when that happens, your heart just opens and say, yeah, whatever you want, I'll tell you, anything. And so these three are the jewels that one should string into either a bracelet or a necklace and wear them all the time. That is, approach with humility, ask questions and render service. And if you keep these three jewels in, your, in the four, F-O-R-E, then there's a way in which uh, all the knowledge of the universe is available to you. Then you just have to find somebody who's qualified. And Krishna helps with that. Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagyavanji, Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhakti Lata Beach. Krishna says, well, at least Lord Chaitanya says here, that we're wandering, looking for something nice. Newsflash, you won't find it in the material world. But you can find out how to get it if you ask a spiritual vaidya, a spiritual doctor, someone who's gone to spiritual medical school carries a little bag, got some slokas in it, and that person has mantras to give you and also the information that will solve your problems of life. And you should ask a question to that person and say, how can I get out of this situation? Dhruva Maharaj had a great strong determination to find out how to get a kingdom better than his father's. 
he took off looking for God in the forest. And then he was intercepted halfway there by Narada, who's such a powerful sage that he can actually enter the hearts of others. And he can also transport himself to wherever he's needed for service at any time. That's a nice uh, program if you can get it. And he met little Druva, who was five years old. A story, by the way, that gopis of Vrindavan, who are Aradya Bhagavan Rajesha Tanayasta Dhamma Vrindavana, Ramya Kachirupasana of Rajavidu Vargena Vokalpita, who Lord Chaitanya said, nobody's more uh, worshipable in service than the gopis. And they were listening to the story of Dhruva Maharaj over and over again, that and Prahlad. They used to cry tears when they'd hear these stories. And so Narada knew the heart of Dhruva Maharaj that he wanted to have guidance. And so he found him there. He tested him and then he gave him the hymns. He gave him the mantras. He said, here's, here's what you need. Here's how to do Here's how to work these mantras. Here's how to do it. And Dhruva was very successful. So anyone can be successful if he or she has the determination of Dhruva Maharaj. This is one of the prerequisites given by Rupa Goswami to advance in spiritual life. Krishna bhakti ras bhavitamati kriyatan yadi kritopi labyate tatalolyam apimulyam ekalam janma koti sukritirna labyate. Rupa Goswami says, you want to know how to get bhakti? Who wants to know? You raise your hand really fast. Come on, Archie, put your hand up. Boom. Now, everyone, when somebody says, do you want bhakti, then you go like this before the sentence gets halfway out of the person's mouth. Do you want prasadam? Sharira <laughs> vijajal. So, <clears throat> Krishna bhakti ras bhavitomati. So he says that there's only one price to pay to get bhakti. What's the price? Lalyam, greed. You have to really want it. Same thing with Weight Watchers. They have a huge sign across the front of the room in Weight Watchers that says, you gotta wanna. For those of you English your second language, wanna means it's a, it's a, a contraction of want to. You've gotta want it. Wanna, and W-A-N-N-A, wanna means like you want it. So you gotta wanna. That's the price. And if you don't wanna, then you'll cheat. You'll have a little candy bar on the side and get on the scale and then they'll say, like, what happened to you? I was like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> you get your candy bar. So the fact is that we, we are units of desire and emotion. And if it's directed towards, I want to know Krishna, I want to know the truth in life. Then, then we can purchase bhakti. I want bhakti. And also he says that if it's available somewhere, you should run to get it. Don't uh, stop along the way and chit-chat. You run. You go there as quickly as possible and get it wherever it's available. Okay? Say yes. It's Rupa Goswami. So the questions are powerful. If we ask questions even to... Uh, seemingly to the abyss. So many people have reported that. I didn't know what to do in life. I was stuck. And I just started saying, 
Oh, God, what should I do? Does God answer? Yes, absolutely. He's always listening, and he's always available. And when I can form the question and ask it, especially if I have that sense of urgency, eagerness to ask the question, then Krishna responds. He responds to everything that we do. Prabhupada said when he felt this urgency to spread Krishna consciousness around the world, why? Because his guru told him he had to do it. He suggested it, and when he asked for service, his guru doubled down and said, yes, go preach in the West. So Prabhupada said, when you have an instruction that you don't know how to fulfill because you don't have the resources, it's hard to see forward, isn't it? What's going to happen next? I was talking to several devotees today, and everyone said, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like, nobody knows. But Prabhupada said, I tried to fulfill the order of my Guru Maharaj. I didn't know exactly what to do. But then he said, when you don't know, then you ask this question, how can I do, how can I do, how can I do? Everyone say. I'm not convinced, though, that you have to say it with a little emotion. Don't you want to use your hands or anything? Come on, actors. Ah, there she goes. Go ahead. Show us how it's done. Yeah, that, that actually penetrates the heart, you know, when you have that earnestness. And if we, f if we feel that sense of urgency and we don't know what to do, because we don't know what to do, we just came out in the world and somebody slapped a name tag on us and said, hey, by the way, your name is Schnicky. And guess what? We got a college fund for you and you're going to be a doctor. You know, whatever it is, we just stumbled in and we have no idea how we got here. What's more, we don't know where we're going. So it's reasonable for the soul to ask a question. How can I do? Like, what's the purpose of life and so forth? So that's our job, actually. The Vedas say, the first aphorism is, atato brahma jignasa, load yourself up and ask big questions and keep asking. Because by, by the power of the question, everything will open to you. Even the Bible says that ask and it will be answered. So this is a universal principle. It's non-sectarian. It works everywhere. And it doesn't matter even if you're not a human because Gajendra was in a similar situation as uh, many humans are, and that was he was trapped, caught by a crocodile, called out for help. What can I do in this situation? And Krishna helped him. Okay, so um, did it make my point about questions? Say yes. Thank you. So the next is, there are four questions that you can keep with you wherever you go. And if you ask these questions on a regular basis, I mentioned one of them in the class the other day, and I'll mention it again. There's four questions that are very powerful to ask yourself in order to make progress in life and to get out of doldrums. Is it doldrums or can you, do you have to say the doldrums? Can you say doldrums or the doldrums? Let's ask, to get out of doldrums? I'd like a second opinion. Brent? 
he would say the doldrums. Anyone else writing in online? Any English professors on tonight? Doldrums or the doldrums. And, and you can move yourself along handily if you ask these four questions. Should I say what they are? I'm not really convinced that you want to. Oh, all right. Okay, so the first question, what is my purpose? Everyone ask that question. We have volition. We have free will. Therefore, we get to choose what we're going to give ourselves to, our ultimate purpose. Prophet writes in a, Bhagavad, in a Bhagavad Gita purport that it is lack for, of an ultimate goal or purpose that we feel morose in life. When I'm not feeling that sense of an ultimate purpose, let's say I wake up in the morning and then I'm drawn to habit. And if I happen to have gone to the left side of the habit meter where I am doing things that are not so productive, then I can go on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. In fact, I could utilize, use up a whole lifetime in just following base habits and barely uh, just staying alive for no real reason, no purpose. The unexamined life is not worth living. And so asking this question, what is my purpose, energizes us. It points us in the right direction, and it helps us to make decisions. Because once we define what our purpose is, or our purposes are, for instance, Srila Prabhupada wrote down before he came to America what the seven purposes of ISKCON are. And, or maybe he wrote it when he got here. But nonetheless, he wrote it. He said, these are the purposes. And uh, once they're in place, then you can decide, am I doing the right thing or not? Otherwise, there's a sense of malaise. I, don't, I just have an uneasy feeling that I may be doing the wrong thing. Have you ever felt like that? Thank you, because I feel like that a lot. There's, there's a, a way that we can rectify that and, and feel ourselves energized. So I experimented with this during the pandemic, because it was a good time for experiments, don't you think? Yeah, because you could do whatever you want. Because if anybody said, why are you doing that? It's like, pandemic. How come you didn't call? Pandemic. <laughs> you didn't pay your bills? Pandemic. Whatever it is, pandemic. So, you know, you're free to just experiment in your life and do whatever you want. So I decided I would get a legal pad because I heard uh, a, a speaker once say, always use a legal pad. It gives your brain a little more space to write things down and a pen. And then I carved out some quiet time, which wasn't so hard when we were shelters in place. We couldn't go anywhere. And I just started writing down my main purposes in life. What are they? What are my priorities? And uh, Nirkula will tell you, because we used to go for a walk twice a day, and it's all I could talk about, uh, which one goes in what place. And as I was processing the priorities or the purposes in my life, 
uh, my mind became clearer and clearer about what I should be doing at different times of the day. And it gave me a sense of purpose uh, towards a specific uh, goal in life. And it helped me winnow out the things that uh, weren't helpful towards that purpose. It was altogether clarifying. And asking this question, what is my purpose, is something that often people don't ask. Uh, you could stand on any street corner and ask people, let's say stand outside a baseball game or a cricket match when people are coming out, just say, what's, what's your main purpose in life? And you may, might find a few people have thought about it, but most people don't give it a lot of thought because they don't have time. They don't make time. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. But what could be more helpful than deciding why I'm moving about and why I'm giving my energy to one thing and not another? After all, we can all make choices, but we have to know what our purpose is first. So this question is very powerful, and if you keep asking it, and I recommend that you ask it at least every 30 days. I read a book called Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. He was one of the founders of the Apple Corporation. And after that, he started many other companies. And in this little book called Art of the Start, he had so many good ideas about organizing uh, a business that can be applied to our lives and to our practice of devotional service. And one of them was frame or be framed. What that means is if you don't frame what your life is supposed to look like, what your purpose is, someone else will frame it for you. Did you ever notice that everybody's a doctor? Yeah? <laughs> Any ailment you have, everyone's going to tell you what their grandma's, cousin's, uncle's, sister, uh, you know, did for this. And it, she had wrinkles and they all fell off. And, you know, it was like miraculous. And you'll never, you have, this is the only way to do it. And, and everyone has an idea. In fact, even when Parikshit had heard that he had seven days to live, he went to the Ganga, and he sat down, and so many experts came there, and they all had their own opinion about what he should do in the last seven days. And amidst the clamor and the cacophony of voices talking about various ideas to, that he should dedicate himself to, there came Shukadev Goswami, who everyone recognized as the authority. He was self-luminous. And then uh, he was able to perfectly frame what the purpose of an advanced per, uh, uh, person should be uh, in life. He said at the very beginning, Ante Narayana Smriti, which means remember Narayan at death. Fix your life's purpose so that whether you have seven days or 70 years, you should be strong enough spiritually so that at the very end, your last breath, you're able to remember Narayan, Krishna. So that's what I put at the top of my page. I said, and I write him in the present form, I am prepared for death. Try that some morning put that one on the top of your list and see how it 
reprioritizes all the other things that you thought were important in your life. Not that you stop doing them, but you'll have a deeper sense of which things are more important than others. Don't major in minor things, as Jim Rohn used to say. Find out what the main thing is. The main thing is keep the main thing the main thing and stick on it. And this requires thought. That's why God gave us human intelligence. Human intelligence is not meant to figure out how to build a better house because beavers never get a degree and they build these cool underwater houses. Birds, they go collect little pieces of straw and they build a nest. They figure all that stuff out. Don't get me started with spiders. Some of the smartest people I've met are spiders. And they don't go to Caltech or any of the big schools to figure out how to engineer these things. They just have God-given intelligence that's at the lower level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We humans have this special perquisite that we can ask this question, what's the ultimate purpose of life? And it just happens that the answer is written down and available. And there's a whole conversation about it in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So ask this question and ask it every 30 days because frame or be frame means that I may be solidly set towards a purpose, but within 30 days, it's called the Jericho Principle. You know the wall of Jericho? They had to keep coming back and reminding the workers why they were building it every 30 days because they'd forget, why are we doing this again? People get into, into tasks and then like, the big question is like, hey, wait a minute, why are we doing this anyway? I read a book called How to Win an Argument by a professor from York University in rhetoric and he said, main problem with debates is people forget why they're arguing. He said one of the first principles of debating is keep asking the question, what are we debating about? What's the actual issue we're talking about here? So we, when, when we know this in our life, are you comfortable there? Everyone okay? Okay. Hare Krishna. When we're clear about this in our lives and we keep reiterating it, at least every 30 days, what my purpose is. And you can write several purposes. You can write as many as you want reorder them, put them on the top, it gives this special strength. And when it's related to spiritual advancement, then you'll have a sense of not wanting to waste time. It's one of the qualities that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentioned when he taught Sanatana Goswami about advanced devotional service. He gave nine qualities of what's called bhava, when the heart starts to soften. And one of them is very practical, avyarta kalatvam. It means, I don't want to waste any time. You can only do that if you know what you're supposed to be doing. And you can only do that if you decide ahead of time by asking, your que asking this question, what is my purpose? You want to try asking it again? What is my purpose? Sit with yourself or with somebody that you really trust and talk about it and decide, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? And write it down. Writing things down is really powerful also because we're manifesting something. 
Everything starts in the subtle world and then it manifests, it grossifies. It starts to take shape in the physical world. That's how we got these bodies. Aprabhadam palam papam kutam bijam palon mukam krim kramainaiva praliyante vishnu bhakti ratatmanam. There's a way in which we manifest these bodies. We do it. They're the filling in of our desires from our last life. Yam yam bapismanan bhavam. Whatever our desires are, they create these impressions called samskars. And when we leave the body, those samskars are filled in by material nature to accommodate what our desires are. So we have to be very clear about what our purpose is. Don't be caught unawares or don't be caught off guard uh, not knowing what your purpose is. Questions are the answer. If you ask yourself the question, what's my purpose? And then you take the time to write it down, now you have a document. You know why America, such the whatever state it's in now, has survived as long as it's survived? Thank you. There's a document, Declaration of Independence. You can go see it in the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. It's framed. People got together and they decided what our purpose is, what we'll, what we'll stand for. Where'd they get that idea from? I don't know. From where? Yeah, there was another document called the Magna Carta. It was written before that. Somebody else, and that's also available in the Library of Congress. Those two pieces of paper, that's what they are. Two pieces of paper, and they've got writing on them, and it's held together a whole legal system, kind of, for the last uh, 250 years. And if you look in Prabhupada's room, and you go through and look in his uh, museum, you'll find a little notebook and a, pen, a pe pencil next to it. And you'll notice that he's writing down, what are my purposes? Why am I doing this? What are my next things I'm going to go for? From one little notebook, a worldwide movement. It's this big. That's how powerful it is to take your thoughts, put them on paper. We should all have our own Magna Carta. Everyone should have a Declaration of Independence. You have to write it down. What's my purpose? Make a stand. Put it in writing. Why not? Post it on your wall. Put it outside your room so people know, I'm not going to bug this guy. He's really serious. So first question to ask is? Okay, I'll try it again. What's the first question? What's my purpose? What is my purpose? And if you... And if you keep asking this question, if you feel yourself in, in a malaise, somebody look up the word. I, I keep using it because I like it. A sense of unease. A general sense of unease. Cognitive dissonance. Things just aren't coming together the way I thought they should. You ever feel like that? Please say yes. Thanks. The way to straighten it out, ask yourself. Ask Krishna. Ask a, an advanced person, what's my purpose? And then write it down and be really clear about it. Yes? Here's the microphone. Brent just joined the research department. Thanks, Brent. Newest member of our research department. Would you like to read it? 
Malaise is a general feeling of discomfort, illness, or unease whose exact cause is difficult to identify. Ah. Difficult to identify, but we can't identify it if we decide what our purpose is and we read the Shastra. There's, there are answers to all these things. So that's the first question. Any questions about the first question? Okay, I'll move on to the second one. Yes, Brent. So it's easy to ask, what's my purpose? But so many people have already defined what your purpose is for you. Like, I'm a white, middle-class, Mormon man, and that's what I'm supposed to be. And, and it's hard to frame your own um, way forward with that. So how do you... How do you do that? How do you frame well, it's a little hard, but you know when, most when you've things, already been framed. Most things worthwhile are are um, a little you know take some effort, some discipline. And um, how do you do it? Well, first of all, we are something, and that can be defined. Fortunately, it's not amorphous. We can actually discover who we are, what we are. This is one of the themes of the Bhagavad Gita. And coming to that knowledge of what we are helps to reveal our purpose. And honestly, asking the question is uh, probative. And it also opens the conversation in many different circles. It, it, what I mentioned about debates going on and nobody knowing ultimately why they're arguing is, is a problem. In fact, as Devamrita Swami wrote in one of his articles, he said, the whole world's going on as if under mass consensual trance of illusion. Just accept it. And when people ask questions like, um, was uh, Plato? Socrates, who asked, uh, he was the one who drank hemlock, right? So Socrates asked questions. In fact, it's called the Socratic method. How do you get to the, the heart of the matter? Keep asking questions. And uh, of course, the, uh, the, the Roman government was not uh, fond of rabble-rousers and had them executed. They were pretty tough, those people. And Meanwhile, his method went on and his revelation about how he was in his body that he came to by asking the questions. So uh, it's a lifestyle choice to decide that, you know, you've seen the bumper sticker question authority, right? So that's, that's a, um, an important aspect of progressive human life is to be open to finding out, getting to the root of things, and not just accepting going on with the consensual tra trance that everyone's offered. So, you know, how do we do it? We, we have to have the courage to ask and, and come to the essential point of who I actually am. I guess it's a pretty simplistic answer, but I'm, you know, there's no, I, I'm just, I guess what I'm coming back to is that the very act of asking the questions. That's why I emphasize in the beginning how powerful a question is. It takes you on a journey, it's a quest. 
a journey to where? To Krishna, to yourself, to finding out what's the real meaning of life. And just asking the question has a, uh, has a consequence. It can help, help open up the uh, conversation in such, such a way that people can become enlightened. We can become enlightened. Thanks for asking. Okay, second question is, this is the one I mentioned in class, and I'll reiterate it here because it's so subs substantial, and that is, how can I be of service? Did I mention that one? Okay, I think I mentioned it in class. So how can I be of service, everyone say? So there's a way in which uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu describes to Sanatana Goswami when Sanatana says, I, I, everyone says I'm a learned person. He was. He knew many languages, and he also knew how to run a government and how to do all the finances for a whole country. And um, he was brilliant. When he came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he said, everyone says I'm brilliant. He said, but I'm so foolish, I, I believe them. But here's my condition. I don't know anything. I'm a fool. Please tell me who I am and why I'm suffering. That's the question he started with. And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave him the answer. He said, actually, you're an eternal soul who is an eternal servant of Krishna. That's valuable information. So, <laughs> Prabhupada gives the example of a little screw. So the screw is valuable when it's in the machine. But when the little screw falls out of the machine, it's forlorn and for good reason, because it becomes valueless. When it's not connected to the machine, it's just a lost screw out of place, out of context, and you can't sell it on eBay for two rupees, a little screw that you find in the row. Do you have eBay in India? You can't sell a little screw on eBay for two rupees. No one will buy it. Pardon me? Okay, we'll put you to the challenge and you can report back tomorrow whether you can sell a little screw for two rupees. But even if you can, that's not very much. Compared to the value of the screw when it's in the machine, this is the example Prabhupada gave, and once I found a little screw on the ground after I heard that, and I picked it up, and I communed with this little screw, and I said, what happened? And it looked at me and said, what happened to you? You're just like me. You're disenfranchised from your, from your real purpose in life. Little screw. And the way to become reconnected is to get some service. You have to have seva. In fact, seva is the word in Sanskrit for service. And my friend Suradas Prabhu used to say, your seva will save you. If you have bona fide seva, you get connected through service, it'll save you. Everything good will come from that. What's more, in any situation where you feel yourself out of place, misaligned or 
disenfranchised, you can immediately become connected by asking this question. Let's try asking it. How can I be of service? Okay, you want me to up the ante a little bit? Say yes. Come on, say yes a little harder. All right, turn to a person next to you and go like this. How can I be of service? <laughs> Sound feels a little risky, right? And I say, well, <laughs> if you want to connect in any relationship, if you want to immediately feel whole, if you want the little screw to go back in the machine, keep asking that question. You go to a, a gathering, you feel out of place, and probably you are, because who invited you? Nobody knows you. Everyone else feels like they're on the in crowd in the, in the group. You ever, does this sound familiar? You might even be with your own extended family. You go there and it's like, who's this loser? Do, what he's doing here? You go there and you say, how can I be of service? Somebody says, put those chairs over here. You move them. Two seconds later, you're on the inside. You're one of the insiders. Hey, that guy works here. He's doing something. He's moving chairs. He's doing service. What else can I do? And you keep asking, how can I be of service? How can I be of service? You keep asking. And that's our eternal connection is through seva, the mood, how can I be of service? And that's how to solve all the problems of life. Jeev Krishna Das A Bishwas, Korleto Artukonai. Bhaktivinoda Thakur certifies. There's a little switch at the back of your head. Check for it. No, go ahead, check for it. Check for it. It's right in the, yeah, there it is. A little service switch. You, you switch, the, the, you throw the switch, and it puts you in service mode. One, two, three, service. How can I be of service? And as soon as you do that, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, no more misery for you. Doesn't matter where you are, what's going on, if you say, how can I be of service? Then you, you get in the flow of your eternal nature and connected to Krishna. So that's the second question. Any questions about the second question? Yes, Prabhu. So sometimes uh, it is seen that if you're in a service mode, then people will exploit you. There's, there are chances. In what way? So they, they will take service from you to the best of their capacity. And? Then they will exploit you. How do you, can you give me an example of exploitation that you're in, feeling? In materialistic sense, in, not in devotional sense. We'll give a, can you give a specific example of somebody who gets exploited so by asking for service? People are doing so many social services. But like? uh, people are doing so many social services, yes. but uh, those who are taking, they are not content. They're not content? The, the one who's take the service. Yeah. Well, what about the person who's rendering the service? Do they feel content? He, he's doing because he has some money. Well, uh, what we generally, what I've observed is that when people have a valuable service in their life to do, even if they're not making a lot of money, then they feel uh, worthwhile. They feel like they're doing something worthwhile. Uh, a, a good service. In fact, if we look in a macro sense, 
we'll find historically that people who rendered the most service, not the ones who collected the most uh, ass material assets, are the ones who are honored the most. Look at any uh, country. It's like, who did the most service for our country? And then when it gets into rarefied, you get into rarefied company, who are the ones who did selfless service? They didn't want anything in return. There's four levels of motivation. First level is fear, the lowest. I'm doing it because of fear. The next above that is prospect. What do I get in return? I mean, that's some kind of service, but they're paid to do it, so you go like, yeah, they have to, they have to say that. They have to be nice. That's their job. <laughs> and so it, it's some kind of service, but it's not that powerful. And then the next level is out of duty. You, had, you ever know anybody who just did their duty, their service duty, because it's the right thing to do? You knew somebody like that? Are they honored more than the person who runs an ad because, uh, you know, did you service for you, but they want something, an exorbitant fee in return? What is your opinion? Yeah, so then, then the highest level, even above duty, is love. You do service out of love. So there are various ways in which people do service. Everyone's exploiting everyone else in the material world, but those who actually find a service niche where they're motivated by duty or they're motivated by love, practically they're impervious to exploitation because they have nothing to gain. You're only exploited when you have a, a, a vested interest and something to lose. And those who are selfless servants have nothing to lose. They have only things to give. So that's why sadhus, they, they can't be bound by anyone because they have no vested interest in the, in the world. They're not ultimately bound to anyone. They're independent. Krishna talks about this in the Bhagavad Gita, third chapter in the Karma Yoga section. He said, a self-realized person has no real duty to do. And he's not bound to the... To, he's not obligated. Because we're obligated because we have debts. Yes, Prabhu. Just that. Uh, I'm appreciating Prabhu's question and a little bit more clarification. We, we are asking, how can I serve you? But if the person that we're asking is motivated materially, they may exploit us even though we want to serve selflessly. I, I guess that's what he's trying to address. Oh, I see. Well, in which case, uh, the... the like Vidura was serving Dhritarashtra selflessly, but he was kicked out by Duryodhan in Mahabharata, what we see. Yeah, but he came back. In the end. Yeah, I mean, he was always there, ready to serve. So he only left because of Duryodhan. He was serving Dhritarashtra out of love and out of duty. And then he was insulted by Duryodhan, so he took that as an opportunity for hiatus. He went on hiatus. What do you do when things don't work out completely and there's no way to fix them? Go on pilgrimage. Just go to a few holy places and come back later. And that's what he did. He came back to serve Dhritarashtra. And uh, the service permeates the Mahabharata. In any case, 
of course there's discrimination. We just don't, we don't serve bad masters. For instance, it's, it's the, put in the abstract where um, the Vaishnava says, Kamadinam katina katita palita durni desas tesham jatamayina karuna natrapa no pashanti. That's, he's questioning how long and, and how many ways have I served bad masters? And what are those bad masters? They're my senses. In fact, that's the first verse of the Upadeshamrita Vachu Vegam Manasakrota Vegam Jihua Vegam Udaropasta Vegam Hitan Vegam Yovishaheta Dira Sarvamapimam Pritivim Nasishat. Which means that if if you have no longer you're no longer if you're no longer obligated to serve the bad masters of your senses, then you become uh, a spiritual master for everyone in the world because the masters of this world are the senses. So there is a sense of uh, bad mastership and don't serve those. So then he goes on to say, I've gained my intelligence and therefore I'm offering uh, Krishna, I want to serve you exclusively. So yes, you have to make discrimination and that's... Uh, however, even in, in contexts as I mentioned, in a family context or other contexts, uh, generally speaking, although I find this in corporate settings, people generally ask this question, how can I stop being exploited? Um, ultimately, um, it's by becoming more and more dependent on Krishna. Uh, we have to organize our lives in such a way that we can um, s maintain ourselves, uh, a modicum of work so that we have the bare necessities of life and try to transfer our service as much as possible to serving the devotees and to serving Krishna. But while we're in the context of the material world, the, the servant, the person who does the best service and has a service attitude is the most rewarded also. Of course, there's exploitation and uh, you know, with, with every, in, in every circumstance, we have to be level-headed and learn how to, to not be taken advantage of. For instance, when we talk about forgiveness, the next question is, yeah, but um, what if they deserve some kind of punishment? That's a different matter. We're forgiving for our own purification. You may have to do due diligence to deal with the situation externally, I'm not going to get too much detail here, but I guess the simple answer is you have to discriminate who you're serving. Does that help? Okay. Yes, please. If we tried to understand your point carefully, so the, the need to discriminate is so that we, when we're saying how can I serve, we can serve with a full heart because we know that service is going to the right source, ultimately. Sure. But I was also saying that if you're obligated to work in a particular circumstance, like you have a job, and you refine your service, you're going to be better off than if you, you're, you're not a good servant. But I was also advocating that we should be aware that it's possible to be exploited, and therefore don't be exploited. Which would actually increase the ability to do your service nicely if you're kamasya nendriya pritir 
Bhagavatam says you have every right to live a balanced, healthy life, but the purpose of it is so that you can go on asking about the absolute truth and making progress. So when we're living in this dual reality, we have a material body, but we have a spiritual purpose. We have to learn to harmonize the two. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Okay, third question. Shall you? Third question is, what's the lesson? I said that one in class. Because I can take the path of victimhood and become buried by the emotion of, why me? I don't deserve this. Or we can ask this very high-minded question that I sourced out to Lord Brahma in Tatenu Kampam Susumikshamanam, for those who are keeping score at home, it's 10.14.8, Bhagavatam, where he says that you should assume that everything that's happening to you is Krishna's arrangement for your purification. And so uh, it's a loving offering of Krishna to bring you closer. And if you, you're able to refine your sense of investigation and questioning to come to the point of asking what's the lesson and what's happening right now, then Brahma says you're qualifying yourself to go back home, back to Godhead. So would everyone like to say what's the lesson? Any questions about the third question? Any objections? Yes, Prabhu. Sometimes it takes a long time to learn the lesson. So it takes seven years for an almond tree to give almonds, too. But I love almonds. I think it's the best food on earth. It's worth waiting for, in my opinion. Maybe avocado, too. It takes a long time for avocados to come up. Some things take a long time, but it's relative because we always get there sometime. When you, have, when you plant a good intention or you have integrity, sooner or later it becomes revealed. And the fruit of that comes out. So whether it's a, a long time or a short time, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says, people who want quick rewards, they go to the demigods and they can get them quickly. But if you want something eternal, you go to Krishna. It does take a long time. Ask Bart Maharaj, he had three lifetimes. In other ways, Krishna says, Bahunam Jamanamante, after many, many births and deaths, <laughs> if you want the real thing. What's the difference? How long it takes, as long as you ultimately you get there, relative to eternity, long or short, is it becomes slightly irrelevant. But it takes patience anyway to, to get the good thing. Any last questions about the third question? Okay, you want the fourth question? Okay, fourth question is, where should I invest my in attention right now? Where should I invest? Where's the best place to invest my attention right now? So the point is, where attention goes, energy flows. Everyone please say that. So you can predict where you're going to go based on where you're placing your attention. 
And from moment to moment, we have the opportunity to transfer our attention. So everyone sit up a little straighter than you were a second ago. And now think of the Krishna Balaram temple and who's in there right now. Just put your attention right there. Were you able to travel there? Did you put your attention? Now move your attention to the Goshala. You know what the Goshala is? It's where all the cows are down there. And now move it to New Delhi. Go ahead. Put your attention on, on your right foot right now. Can you feel your right foot? Did you feel it a second ago? Because where attention goes, energy flows. And so in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Yanti Deva Vrta Devan Pitran Yanti Pratirvata Bhutani Yanti Bhutta Yanti Mam Yajinopi Mam. You can go wherever you like, little Jiva. It's up to you. Wherever you place your attention, that's where you're going to end up. And so question to ask oneself from moment to moment, where am I investing my attention? Our attention to argue at this point and and accept all counter arguments is our only asset. Everything else we have will come and go. We can't keep it. But eternally, we have attention. Means we have volition, we have free will. That's our asset. It's a huge asset. It's better than all the other things. We're conscious living beings. And we ultimately get to decide where we place our attention. So I say invest, where I invest my attention, because whatever I put my attention into right now is going to reap a result. And therefore, the Sri Upanishad says, Anyadevahur Sambhavad, Anyadahura Sambhavad. Iti Shushumadhiranam Yenastadvichakshade. One result is obtained by giving your attention to the supreme cause of all causes. A very different result is obtained by giving your attention to that which is not supreme. Is that simple enough? That's the Shirsha Upanishad. You got two choices. Look over here or look over here. Light, darkness. It's up to us where we place our attention. So we have to keep asking ourselves from moment to moment if we want to be happy and progressive, what's the best investment of my attention right now, right this second? And if you keep asking that question, it's a very powerful time management technique. Because then you'll remember, whatever I'm focusing on right now, I'm going towards. That's what I'm going to reap in my life. Either darkness, suffering, and bewilderment, or I can attain Sakchit Ananda by thinking of Krishna. And incidentally, as my last statement, ever, no, maybe. And that is that there's only two rules given by our Acharyas. Consider the Vedas. They have millions of rules, combinations, permutations of instructions, do's and don't do's. But they're all boiled down into two, which are, you can remember from the letters, A-R-K. What does that spell? No, it spells ARK. 
Say ark three times. <laughs> ark, ark, ark. So always remember Krishna. That's one rule. There's only one other. NFK. Never forget Krishna. And all other rules are servants of those two. And so that means where you're giving your attention right now. And if you're remembering Krishna, you're going towards the light. If you forget Krishna, you're in darkness immediately. So all you have to do is keep asking this question, where am I investing my attention right now? Any last points or questions? Comments? Yes. Uh, I was just appreciative of these four questions. They kind of uh, uh, very completely kind of in every aspect, I think uh, they kind of address like how as a spiritual aspirant, what kind of attitude we can develop and what kind of uh, lifestyle we can have and the outlook towards uh, different situations and circumstances we can develop these. Thank you very much, Madhava Governor Prabhu. You get extra wheatgrass later. <laughs> Prabhu? You did give some um, tips to receive answers, answers to these four vital questions. Like you said, if one has integrity and if one asks a qualified questioner, um, but I was wondering if there are any more um, handy tips to get answers to these vital questions. Well, find qualified people and then apply the three jewels of receiving knowledge that Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita. And it's, a, it's a, one of the great miracles of the world. The human body is perfectly equipped to learn everything necessary to be perfect by listening. That's, we have two, these apparatus. If you take a close look at them, did you ever look at your ear in the mirror? You probably didn't, right? Because you get all freaked out. It's like, that's really weird. Uh, if you look at it long enough. So it's a special instrument, and if you apply it properly, you can learn everything, all the secrets of the universe. Sit in the right room and listen to the right information and you'll come to to know the ultimate goal of life and be connected with him krishna please keep the transcendental vibration going please take care of one another please always do smart stuff and uh be careful